0: Episode two hundred and seventy-seven.
1: Don't focus so much on what you know. What on the car? Focus on the customer. Listen to what they're saying. Uh, you know, we really develop relationships with our customers, and you can see it. Like when you people send do these reviews on us, and they mention our our people by name. They're like, Jonathan, Chris, Ryan, I can't believe what kind of service I had. They were totally communicated. They let me know everything. They sent me pictures. They sent me videos. So when when that customer leaves our shop, they know they got what they needed and that we really took care of them and their car. Welcome, aftermarketers, to
0: Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to Remarkable Results. Welcome after marketers throughout North America and around the world to episode 277 with shop owner Andy Bizub from Midwest Performance Cars, Chicago, Illinois. Glad you're here at Remarkable Results Radio for yet another interesting service professional startup story. Andy Bizup was a customer of Midwest Performance, and he now owns the shop. And he's adding his second in just three years of ownership. Hey, I want to thank Federal Mogul Motor Parts and Garage Gurus for their support of the podcast, for serious technical training and support, online, on-site, and on-demand. Garage Gurus is everything you need to know. Find out more at fmgaragegurus.com. Hey, I just added a new page to the website. It is under the Resources tab, and it's called Events. I will catalog all training events, both technician and business, that are open to the industry. These are local, regional, and national in scope. If you've got an event scheduled, just send me an email, and I'll get it listed. Reach me at karm at remarkableresults.biz. Get your training on. Go to the remarkableresults.biz slash events page, and be a perpetual student, and get ready to sign up for those great training events coming up. Hey, frankly, the educational value of Remarkable Results Radio is priceless. I can only hope that you find the inspiration to help you on your own remarkable pathway to success. Utilize the website, specifically the Tag Cloud, to narrow your focus and listen to episodes that will support any area that you're currently working on. So much quality content brought to you by your own aftermarket colleagues. Hey, welcome new Facebook friends to the podcast, Brian Colotta, Jason Byrne, and Tony Leonardi. And new LinkedIn connections, Ken Amborski, Mitch Major, and Sean Klein. Thanks for every social connection you've made to the podcast. I have a convenient page with every social link at remarkableresults.biz social. Hey, by the way, looking for a technician's point of view, looking to hear from our industry trainers or educators, well, on the RemarkableResults.biz website, you can narrow your focus by selecting one of these series and enjoy the perspectives of these highly specific interviews. Make your commute a learning experience. Now, meet Andy Bizum. We were at Apex 2017, sat in the studio for this interview, and here's an interesting story. And we've had other interviews with shop owners that have come from outside the industry, and this is like one of them. Andy was a 25-year commodities trader who happened to be a customer of Midwest Performance Cars in Chicago. This is a Porsche BMW Audi specialty shop. Andy shares his journey to purchase and the tweaks necessary to reinvigorate the business. Find the show notes and talking points for this episode at RemarkableResults.biz E277. Well, it took Andy three years to write the ship and prepare. Yes, for his second location. Andy shares his story of transformation, the power of relationships, 20 groups, coaching, work-life balance, and that there should never be a year you don't make more money than the year before. Here's another intimate interview from the Apex 2017 studio. Now enjoy the wisdom of Andy Bizup. So we're here at Apex 2017 in the studio again on Level 2 with Andy Bizup. Hi. Thanks for having me, Carm. Owner, chief strategist and marketer for Midwest Performance Cars in Chicago. That's right. Glad to have you here, man. Thanks. Midwest Performance Cars. Um, I know you're a Porsche guy. How does that all fit together?
1: It's a little bit of a story. I, I acquired the business. The name came with the business. Uh, the business had great name recognition. Uh, a great reputation in the city. Great location right outside of downtown. It. The former owner just didn't have the business management skills that he needed to take it to where it should be and uh, and move it forward. Did he get lucky to find a guy like you to buy his business? Well, what's funny is that I think he got lucky finding me as a customer because I started a customer in about 2007 and always loved going to the shop, um, enjoyed the experience, great, great service, great people, uh, good prices, uh, great reviews. I always watched the reviews. But the shop was never getting nicer and bigger and cleaner and seemed to be progressing. And so I was winding out of one career and looking for something else. And this was always kind of in the back of my head for, for a couple of years. So in 2013, I just kind of started a conversation with the with the then owner and said, hey, have you ever thought about expanding? And he immediately said, hey, let's have lunch. So we had lunch, ah. Sat uh, went out for lunch, and I got the kind of the tale of woe of uh, the debt and, and, the, and all the problems that he had run into. And it became real clear that he was not a finance, he was not a business management guy, but he was a good face of the business. I always enjoyed talking to him. People love to talk to this guy. So we put together a very complex deal to kind of get a new business entity started that wasn't carrying all the baggage of the old business. Uh, I gave the guy a job uh, as the general manager. I wanted to keep him as the face of the business. um, And I just, I said, hey, the financials, all that stuff will be off your shoulder. All you have to do is just be the face, grow the business. And of course, you turned wrenches for your whole life, so you knew exactly what you were getting into. Well, not exactly, but... Uh, and well, I that, asked the question because I know the answer. Right. So ni- when I was 19 years old, I made the uh, brilliant uh, decision to buy as my first car a 72 Triumph Spitfire, which uh, if you know anything about British roadsters, they have a reputation for not wanting to drive or run very well so that's when i got into cars and i i love that car it was it was great but i it, working on it, it almost first car first car always a love for the first car. oh it was i i still love that car uh i don't have it anymore but i still love it i'd love to get another one someday um but right now i, I kind of have too many project cars <laughs> underway but uh, it was really a fun car. It was, as a 19 year old kid uh, driving around the city, uh, if I didn't have a date on the weekend, it was very easy to pull up to a stoplight and I, you could meet girls like crazy. But uh, when it ran, was that the objective? No, no, it was just a fun car. I really loved, I oh, love I love. The objective wasn't to meet girls. Well, when you're 19, a lot and a guy, a lot of times Tell the objective the truth is now. to meet. Me. Okay, <laughs> right. right. So, right. Um, but I, 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 actually, I have a great. Great little photograph of my mom sitting in that car, Uh, and uh, it just brought back great memories. We just pulled it out. My mom passed away a few months ago at the ripe age of 94. And, uh, so, and, I, and I was looking through old pictures. And I found that picture, and it really brought me back to that car. So that is that. that car got me into... That was the moment that you became a car person, but your career path was somewhere completely different. Totally different. Totally different. I was working at the Board of Trade in Chicago as a runner. Uh, try, uh, to keep myself in college. You were I was a financier. To, uh, yeah, I was a budding financier. I was actually a, was actually a college student uh, at the University of Illinois at Chicago uh, studying engineering, and I had to go to work after my first year to keep making tuition. So I got a job uh, working at the Board of Trade and switched to going to school in the afternoons and evenings. And after about being at the Board of Trade for two, three months, I realized uh, engineering is not my calling. I really like this business. So I spent the next 25 years. Uh, well, after a couple of years of, of uh, journeyman internship there and working clerk jobs and whatnot, I spent about 25 years uh, trading commodities, uh, trading agricultural futures. And I had uh, I spent 10 years as a broker. So I had I developed this customer. Uh, relationships i worked with some of the biggest company agribusiness companies in the u.s and uh, then i spent the next 15 years after being a broker being a trader uh, and i always tell people i spent about 25 years not working because it was such a fun business it was a real is a very much a people business relationship business ethics business you're saying all the right things people relationships, ethics, yeah, and that drives what we do today in this industry Absolutely, when you pay attention and do that. Absolutely. This business is not as much about, my business is not as much about fixing cars as it is about solving people's problems. People have a problem, they come to us and we help solve their problem. It just so happens that it's, it has to do with their car, but it's about people. It's about the people, my customers, but it's also really about the people in my shop and providing... A path for them to grow in their lives, have a you know, raise their family, have a house, have a nice living, and then come to a place they enjoy being. Because of your background in in finance, right. You were able to sit down and really
0: formulate a, a deal with the former owner, right? I mean, you you had a, it's like it was just built inside of you. You knew how to put something together, yeah, and you did. And do you want to talk about that or skip that part?
1: Uh, no, it's, it's actually kind of interesting. I mean, we, we like I said, we put this deal together where he was going to be the front guy, be the general manager. He lasted about a year and he, and he decided he didn't really want to be uh, an employee. He missed being a boss. And so we parted ways amicably. Uh, but the great thing was I kept all of the people from the original business. No one left, no one got fired. Because I knew they were good people. I had experienced this shop as a customer. And a big part of your story is about the turnaround. Yeah. The first year was a little rocky. The first six months was a function of me gaining the trust of the employees, the, the whole staff, and also retaining the trust of the customers and i think we did a pretty good job at that we you know it was it was a test it was like are we okay we're gonna try this are we gonna make this this shop keep in mind this shop had never turned a profit ever what was it doing any idea of the volume 700 900 and the, the last year before i took it over it had just cracked it was like 1.05 1.05 yeah. and no profit and no profit yeah it's so awesome. something was wrong it was it was a lifestyle business uh but it wasn't supporting the lifestyles so um so it, yeah it was concentrated on, on cleaning things up trimming the fat we took three dumpsters of garbage out of the place we cleaned everything up we put new lighting in And after we turned, uh, I think we turned a thirteen thousand dollar profit our first year on a million two five. Our second year did a million four, uh, turned a bigger profit, and uh, now we're going. We're opening our second location at the end of this year, um, and we're really looking to expand and move up to that next level. Is it going to be a specialty shop like yours is now? Uh, No, the second location is going to be more of a general maintenance, still focusing on European. Uh, it's going to be in a northern suburb of Chicago, dealing with more newer cars. I mean, some of the cars that we dealt, we just finished a uh, complete restoration, rebuild of a 1970 Porsche 911 T that had been in a barn for 12 years. You primarily work on Porsche. About 60% of our business 60. is Porsche. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's and then it's BMW, Audi, Mercedes, and everybody in Chicago comes to you. Uh, if you're not going to the port, well, yeah, I mean there isn't a Porsche dealer in the city limits. They're all in the suburbs, and uh, they're the the dealer customer is our best. It was really our best customer. Is your business, your showroom, your lobby indicative of a dealership? Uh, no, we are in a about a 100 year old warehouse building in Chicago. We have uh, exposed brick walls. Uh, people. love our look they always come in they're like oh i just love this place it looks super vintage it's clean but it is vintage uh so it's a little bit of a different experience we're primarily a drop-off um place we uber everybody wherever they go they come in with their car rather than put them into a shuttle or you know wait around for a lift somewhere we call an uber a lift we send them where they want to go we try to make this about convenience for our customers. Our our typical drop-off time is under five minutes. People come in in the morning, drop their car off, we know what the deal is, what we're looking at, and call them a a ride share and, and get them on their way. I'm talking with Anthony Froein, a
0: technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Anthony, when you're in a shop, are you talking tech as well as product?
2: Whenever I do a physical training, there is products incorporated part of the whole uh, training overall, but it's to maximize the time, whether it's diagnostics, whether it's inspection, whether it's installation. So that way they understand that, hey, by skipping that extra 20 seconds by putting on this set of brake pads and not replacing the hardware, hey, this might be the reason why that I'm getting comebacks. And usually being a ex-shop owner, I understand that the first time you get paid, the second time's free.
0: And so are the techs really starving for this information?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of times you have, uh, I mean, we live in an industry where I like to like to say they, they cut the, the, the roast in half and they don't understand why, but they do it just because they've always been doing that type of an industry. So, you know, to break it through that, they've been doing something for 30 years and they see as they haven't been doing anything wrong. But it starts to open up their eyes to, hey, you know what? It wasn't necessarily wrong, but there is a better way.
0: So you're really talking to me about an aha moment. Exactly. And tell me when you see that happening um, more and more from technicians that you're out with, uh, how does it make you feel?
2: Oh, it's awesome. I mean, you really feel like you're giving back to the community overall. But ultimately, I, I tell them, You know, I look at every single vehicle that I worked on prior to, or I had my customer just like I put my family in that vehicle. I look at it as I'm keeping everybody else that much safer because the job's getting done correctly.
0: Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology, and answers you need to keep your next job on track. On site, online, or on demand, the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit FMGarageGuru.com talk a lot on the show about so many of our service professionals that are in uh, 55 that are thinking of a A plan to get out Mm -hmm. Um, some of them not even sure how they're going to get out when you're in your coaching group or 20 group do you you see a lot of this stress
1: upon the industry absolutely absolutely and i'm getting there i'm I'm gonna be 53 in a couple weeks and i have nothing but i've got these plans for growing this place uh the second location's about to open i'm already thinking about the third uh, I want to grow it into a self-sustaining entity that all of our people are going to be able to build careers and lives, livelihoods out of this place. And and I see nothing but upside. Well, not nothing, but I see a lot of upside for independents out there who are doing quality work. You think they got to grow, though? they got to add multiple locations or not? Just no. Just
0: run a really good, tight, powerful shop.
1: You can do it either way. I don't think you need multiple locations. And for a long time, I thought there's no way I'm going to do a second location, but I had an incredible opportunity presented to me to open the second one, and I it was the easiest way to expand. Are was- you doing it from scratch or are you buying something out? Scratch. Oh. Uh, I found the right building, and also I, I was invited by a very reputable uh, used sports luxury dealer in the Chicago area who's opening his third location. And uh, he's opening an 80,000 square foot showroom and invited me uh, to come in and open a service location within his building. And we would take care of all the cars coming in, check them out, get them ready for sale, and then to have the first shot at when people buy them. Here's your place to come well, back for service. there's a business model transformation. Yeah. I was in the right place at the right time, but we had built the business to the point where someone noticed it and knew our reputation, and we, it, we, we ended up in a position to get invited to do this. Uh, if the business was struggling, if the business was the way it was in the past, nobody would have looked at us to do that. So, A great entrepreneurial hack if you were asked to go out and, and speak somewhere and you say, hey, give me the best piece of advice you could give me. Communication. Whatever way in your business you can foster and improve and make more efficient your communication. One little way we did it, you know, really easy way to do it in our shop, we gave everybody a dual monitor and we run a messaging system. So we eliminate miles of walking every day. People can, in an instant, just communicate. You use Slack. Yes. They were down the other day. Right. For three hours. Yeah. You guys survived? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, we have workarounds, we have walkie-talkies, we'll even use a cell phone if we have to. But it's really about keep, keep people working on what they're there to work on. Our techs aren't there to walk around the shop. They're there to work on cars. They're there to take care of our customers' cars. So the more tools I can give everyone to be able to more efficiently do their job, I, I say to people, you know, if we're growing the right way, we're not setting our hair on fire we're just getting more efficient and more streamlined that's why that's one of the things i love about the german car space i love the efficiency i love the technology i love looking when we take apart an engine i, I just to me that's art that's my kind of art it's very inspiring independence are the independence going to survive you know we did a show
0: on you know is the word independent the right thing to call us
1: yes I think yeah, I think it is the right thing, and I think we are going to survive. You have to be progressive and forward thinking. Um, as stodgy as dealers, as the OEM dealers tend to be in their business, they're pushing ahead. They're opening 100 Bay service centers in newly built dealerships. Now, my my thing would be if I'm taking my car to 100 Bay, what what kind of personal attention am I going to get? So you don't have, you don't have to get huge but you've got to be progressive but they're gonna
0: figure it out they're gonna get better they will get better a lot of people that i've talked to here at apex say yeah pay attention to the dealer but don't discount the fact that he's not going to
1: take some share right right they're gonna work hard to get better but we are gonna work we're gonna get better too focusing on your customer relationship you know don't focus don't focus so much on what you know what on the car focus on the customer listen to what they're saying uh, you know we really develop relationships with our customers and you can see it like when you people send do these reviews on us and they mention our our people by name they're like Jonathan Chris Ryan I can't believe what kind of service I had they were totally communicated they let me know everything I, they sent me pictures they sent me videos so when th- when that customer leaves our shop they know they got what they needed and that we really took care of them and their car When you're in your 20 group and you talk passionately like this, guys listen? Yeah. Yeah, they really do. It's really rewarding. I love these 20 groups because I love talking to other people in the industry. I'm not big on going and reinventing the wheel. I know there are other people who've dealt with similar problems. And if they figured out a way to solve those problems, I want to hear it. Are you learning from them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What's your biggest learning piece in the last, say, six months that you said, oh, brilliant. I have to implement it. There's so much. I mean, I come away from those 20 groups with a note, you know, pages of note, notes written. They're very additive. You know, you've only been in this industry for a short time now. Four years. Did anyone ever tell you that there's no secrets? Yes, there's no silver bullet. And basically, you, did you believe it in the beginning? Mm, Well, I would say, well, okay, you're saying there's no secrets, but you look like you're running an awful successful shop and I'm not, you tell me how you're doing it. Uh, Well, here's the thing. And that's the no secret part. Right. You you know, it's, it's so many of the things that you've been talking about. Yeah. Relationships, team, culture. Right. Communications. Right. That's the foundation that you're going to build out from. You got to have that in place because if people don't believe in each other, if they're not working as a team, if they don't have faith in each other, and if they don't, really care about each other i always say to my guys hey i want to make sure we're all pushing that rock in the same direction uphill what uphill or downhill but i want to be pushing everybody is on the same side of the rock after the buy-in after the first six months it was really gratifying to see people come in to come to work and have a great attitude it's really it's very uh gratifying not
0: every shop owner today that here's the story, I need to be the CEO of my business and I have to be a better leader and I have to be a better communicator and I have to be, uh, I've got to lead a team, leader. Leadership's huge. Not everyone is built to do that. Nope. Do you recommend training,
1: coaching, or hire the person to do what you can't? I always want to hire people smarter than me. Always. I tell my guys I'm looking to replace myself all the time. It's fine, you know, uh, if if I'm smart about it, I'll, I will hire that person that will get me to move on to my next level too. It's, I'm growing as well, I wanna keep growing. Even though I'm 50, gonna be 53, I'm still growing and still learning things. But coaching is, is key. When you hear from very successful people in every industry, they always say, I had a coach, I had a mentor, there was someone or some group of people who really passed on great knowledge, paid attention to what my problems were and really consulted with me. I actually, uh, I've been with a coach for uh, a little over two years and I asked when I was thinking about getting together with this coaching service, I asked um, actually my father-in-law, who I was extremely close to, a great guy, very successful businessman. And I asked his opinion about having a coach. And it was, an ex- it was a pricey proposition. It was not cheap. You get what you pay for in all businesses. And he said to me, look, we've with his business, he said, We've done consultancies for, that were a quarter of a million dollars and that we got nothing out of, and we've done them that were a hundred thousand dollars and they really propelled us to our next level. He said, If I were you, I would seriously consider doing the coaching thing.
0: How soon after you bought the business did you hire your coach?
1: Uh, let's see, we start April 1st, of 14, was day one. Um, and I started working with a coach in I think it was September October of that year. So who whispered in your ear that says
0: if you really want to accelerate and really be successful?
1: I was solicited. I was kind of solicited. Okay, kind of hard. All right. Um, and uh, I was and I'm kind of a skeptic by nature. I'm very positive. I'm very. Uh, optimistic, but I'm skeptical because I always like to look at what's going, what's really going on here. And really, I did, I did rely on my father-in-law. He was a real business mentor to me, um, and and it was his, it was his urging and not urging, but it was his gentle recommendation that I went with. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm in, I'm going to do this. Okay, so you're going to open up a second place, right, Andy? Yep.
0: Recruiting new yep. people. Yeah. Tell me about what you're working on.
1: Just like everyone else in this space, we do struggle with with employees and with finding people. Uh people are your number one asset. Uh develop them. Uh entice them. Give them the reason to stay. Make them want to come and w- continue working for you. I one thing I always tell, repeat to my guys every month is there should never be a year where you make less money than you did the year before. Ever. You know this. Don't I don't want you guys thinking this is a job, this is a career, this is a home so for you. So you tell it to your people. Yes, Obviously, absolutely.
0: They reach those goals. You reach those goals. Right. We should never flatline no. our expectations. No.
1: Tomorrow's got to be a, have the potential to be a better day. And and you. And, but if not, then the team sits down and figures out what's wrong. Yeah. Where where where, where, do, where do we fall off the track? Where do we slip up? Um, training's key. I send. My people out for training. Uh, my service writers head out twice a year for training on service writing. My techs head out. We're constantly looking for new sources of good training, in person training, because I really, I know there's a lot of online, but I, I'm I really prefer in person training. I have a, I have one young Porsche tech. He goes out to California every year and trains with Tony Callas, who's a noted. Porsche engine builder you know he comes back super excited he's always he's always a very energetic excited guy anyway he comes back inspired excited uh and and when you do things like that for people they know that you're they can see you're investing in them are you paying for the whole ride yep flight everything yep you're, yep. Pay, you're paying for all the local training yep and i am send them advisors. first class they go on southwest but it's uh, first class yeah they only have one class right that's right <laughs> it's absolutely worth every penny what do you
0: do to re-energize? I mean, you're, you're a real, you know, positive guy. Every once in a while, you use up all that energy.
1: Yeah, I try to work out three times a week. I try to stay really active. I drag myself to the gym, and then when I walk out of the gym, I'm like, oh, man, was I, all I that was awesome. I just really, I loved it. Yeah, so I stay physically active. Um, I, have an, I have an unbelievable wife of uh, 22 years uh, that has put up with, more than you can imagine. Um, I in the funny thing is coming from the commodity trading business, which is rife with divorce. <laughs> we uh, oh, really? Oh my gosh! Terrible, terrible. So she deserves some kind of Academy Award. Huh? She's got. Yeah, I try to give her an award all the time. <laughs> she just had her fiftieth birthday, and it was a it was a pretty good one for us. So good. Uh, a yeah. Celebration. Huh? Yeah. So we had a. I have a. I have a great partner. Um. I have three wonderful kids. Uh. I've. I mean, it's, it sounds like a cliche, but I, well, I live a blessed life, but I live a charmed life, too. Uh, I, it's, I'm, I'm a very lucky person. Do you have an, any
0: unexpected customer perk if I went to your place and, you know, had my car
1: serviced? And- sure. <laughs> it's funny. And I just had this repeated to me by one of our really good customers just last week. Um, one of my pet peeves when I was a customer of the shop, before I took it over, was my car would always be dirtier when I left. It would be fixed, but it would be dusty, dirty, you know. We wash every single car that goes through our shop. The only time we don't wash it is when a customer is like, no, I don't have time. And then we give them a coupon to go to a car, local car wash. It's those little kind of things, you know. We'll put a coffee mug and a Starbucks card in, in their on their passenger seat, you know, one of our branded coffee mugs. Thinking about those little things that we can do everyone's if somebody needs a car delivered to them we'll deliver a car if somebody needs a car picked up we'll go and we'll go and pick it up i've gone myself to go pick up people's cars
0: so is your customer service creed will go
1: the extra mile you give the guys the leeway to do what they need to do yes yes they have autonomy to do what they think is right and giving them that autonomy uh and having faith in them just pays huge dividends because they make the right decision they really take care of people you're a young company have you moved into dvi digital vehicle inspections oh yeah yeah absolutely we started that um at let's see about the beginning of this year um we have a plug-in module right into our shop management software we run galaxy uh tabs we do uh pictures and video and who's are you using we're using winworks okay yep uh smaller company out of california um, and uh, yeah, and, and they have a inspect module, and it's worked. Re- I, I tell you, our, our customer reaction to that is over the top. They just can't. They've never seen anything like that. They're, we have a lot of customers who do come from the dealer. And it, it, it's kind of a little source of frustration to me. They they come, they're like, "Wow, I wish I had found you like three years ago." And I'm thinking, "I wish you would have found us three years ago too." You know, because they always complain about their service at the dealer. And that's an, another one of my little pet peeves about this business is the lack of a relationship between OEMs and independents. A good independent shop is a brand ambassador for the cars that they are servicing. Whoa, that is huge. Say that again. A good independent shop is a brand ambassador for the cars that they are servicing. I have kept more people into their Porsches, BMWs, Mercedes, and Audis. People who would have just thrown in the towel and said, I'm going to Acura, I'm going to Lexus, I'm tired of this. And we've, through price, through service, through accuracy, uh, you know, just being diligent and, and explaining to them what is, what's the deal with their car, what do they need, what do they don't have to worry about, what do, what do they have to look out for. We keep people in these vehicles. So you're the diamond in the rough for them. You're, absolutely. And, it, and, and it, it frustrates me that the OEMs don't see this and the, and the, dealer, the dealer networks just kick us to the curb. And the, and the fact is, like, take, for instance, Porsche. If you have a you have a Porsche with a the 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 996 the 1998 through 2004 911s had a major engine defect that Porsche got sued for they had an antitrust settlement or not a they had a a class action lawsuit settled years ago. Uh, If you go to a Porsche dealer, they're going to put you either into a new car or they're going to replace that engine for thirty grand. You come to us and we do what's called an IMS. It's about a three thousand dollar procedure. Uh, it's, it's a part that a major part that gets replaced. It's warrantied. It's very well known. You can find out about this. But there's your option. Now, we're keeping that part. Most people would say, I'm never driving a Porsche again. I'm done. But we give them a, a solution. And we're, our guys are going to training that Porsche factory techs don't go to. They don't go and figure out how to replace an IMS. And they can't even offer that because it's not an OEM part. It's a part that's made by Ellen Engineering in the in in Downstate Illinois. Every Porsche aficionado knows about this problem, and again, this is a, this is where we we're over the top of what Porsche can do for the customer. What are you struggling with right now? Anything, Andy? A, l- a little bit of hiring, although we have been pretty fortunate there. I think our reputation really helps out because when we place an ad, I just put a on our new location. I just put up a banner. A big three foot by 10 foot banner I had printed up that says, we're hiring techs and service riders coming in December. Uh, The next day, got a call from a technician, 18 year technician at a BMW place. He said, I'm not a BMW, actually at a BMW dealer. Um, and he said i 'm tired of this i 'd like to talk to you guys so uh, you got to get yourself out there. You have to leverage your reputation we 've used a couple of you know a couple of advertising services um, and and see some work better than others. are you going to seed
0: them into your current business oh, yeah. so they understand and learn yep and then when that other place opens, then you split the crew we'll
1: shift shift uh, a portion of guys up will there, you take yeah?
0: a, a senior veteran
1: from the one shop and send them to the new oh yeah. Yeah, because we have a process, and they have to learn, understand, and then respect our process. So processes win wars. Process is key. Process is key. Like every you know every general always says that you got the battle plan, and once the war starts, the battle plan goes out the window. But you got to start with a plan. Start with a plan for anything. Just have a plan. Doesn't matter if you have to deviate from the plan, but have a plan down. Is trying and failure important? For sure. You don't, you know, when you when you work on something, you succeed. You don't learn anything from that. So you get up in the morning, feet on the ground. How do you start your day? Uh, I go downstairs and make coffee for myself and my wife. What a guy! (laughs) It's the least I can do. You know, uh, my wife has raised these three wonderful kids and just done a great job and put up with me. So I, you know, I, I I love going up there and giving her a cup of coffee and giving her a peck on the cheek and taking off. You go in early. I go in real early. Traffic in Chicago is brutal. What time? As long as I leave the house before six, I'm okay. Uh, if, if I leave any time after six, I'm looking at an hour to go 20 miles. Are you hard on yourself? No harder than I need to be. I've always been about just being disciplined and, and, and working. And I work hard and I play hard too. I used to ride a motorcycle. My, uh, my dear mother-in-law asked me to please uh, give that up Once once I said I do and I said okay. I used to jump out of airplanes, and she also asked me to give that up, and I said I can live without that. Um, but, you know, I snowboard, uh, I, play, I play tennis, uh, I play golf, I work out, I, uh, dry, I try to drive uh, on tracks whenever I can. Okay,
0: so we had a show recently on work-life balance. Yeah, And it was a great show. And
1: part of it was is you have to have to make a date and do it and stick to it. Absolutely. This shop, right, um, as hard as I work, as, as much effort goes into it, this shop has sent me to SEMA three years in a row. I mean, this is an unbelievable place. I make so many connections, and every year I make more. I've made some great connections with suppliers that are going to really take us up to that next level tuning shops, uh, a, a custom exhaust manufacturer. Uh, I just spent w- the, um, one of the amazing things about this business compared to my old business is the networking opportunities. There are so many people. In this industry, who will talk to you, give you leads, give you help, all kinds of assistance, even if there 's really nothing in it for them, uh, nothing in for them immediately or even down the road, but the networking is unbelievable. just before this podcast, I spent an hour talking to Craig Van Battenberg from ACDC training, and you know it, it, I had reconnected with him, I had last seen him last year at Apex. And he, we just spent an hour talking about, yeah, about the hybrid space, about electric, and we all, also about raising kids. And, Do you think you need to go there? Oh, the absolutely. Hybrid, yeah. Oh, I really want to get all my guys to Craig's training because Porsche, BMW, Audi, Mercedes are all coming with hybrid models. They're all out there already. So we're going to be seeing them in the next couple of yeah. years in our so shop. So what's your legacy going to be? If all the people who have worked for me at the shop if they, if I have their respect, the appreciation will be implied, but if I have their respect that I, you know, worked hard and did everything I could to to provide them with opportunity, that's a perfect legacy. Earn, earn the respect. Absolutely. Well, I, I look at, you know, when I, when I look at our shop, I look at there's 15 kids, there's eight houses being, mortgages being paid, 15 kids being raised off of that place. Um, it's it means a lot there's a whole bunch of people i want to make people not make them give them an opportunity to hit their goals yeah
0: andy Bizup from midwest performance cars in chicago thanks for being on the show thanks for having me appreciate it hey thanks andy Bizup, for sharing your story of startup and transformation this story demonstrates the power of working on your business and not in it Andy's legacy was not in the industry. His love of cars and his passion to build a growing, successful business eclipsed his lack of experience in the industry. Andy shows that being a good CEO and leading your team to greatness is what it takes to be successful. Find the episode's talking points at remarkableresults.biz/e277, and thank you for joining us and your support of the Aftermarket's Premier Podcast. I know you're finding a treasure trove of learning opportunities and wisdom in the podcast archives that include the individual interviews and the Town Hall Academy single-subject forums. Now, if you have any questions or comments at all, email me at karm at biz or head over to the contact page on the website. Hey, please help spread the word. The richness grows because you help ripple the waters.